live free and travel light. Uh, we have uh, been in a series. If, if you haven't been here, please go online and watch the messages. And as a matter of fact, each one of the messages has its own sketch video that goes with it. They're really great. Or you can go check them out on Facebook as well. And so anyway, um, just a, a really fun series. We, we looked at life and we realized that all people carry baggage. Is that fair to say? You, you got your baggage. I got my bag. Some people's baggage is prettier than others. You ever go to the airport and notice that like some people have cool baggage and people have lame baggage? Or goofy baggage or whatever. And so, so what we realize in life is that everybody's got baggage. And here, here's what I've learned from my airport experience. Have you ever been to the airport where you had like an ungodly amount of luggage and baggage? Where you had to get the big cart? Have you ever had the big cart? See, I have a family. I remember we went to Hawaii. Uh, it was like me and my wife and my three kids and a grandma. And we were going to be there for a long time. So everybody had massive amounts of luggage and we had to get the cart. You know what I'm talking about? Like the big giant cart. And, and I feel like that's how, that's how some of you live life. Like some of you have backpacks, some of you have three piece sets and some of you have like the big cart and, and the big cart is loaded with, but if you've ever been in the airport, how many, of you know, like, I'll tell you what the greatest experience in the world is at the airport. Let me tell you what it is. It's when you go and you know, you're going to be on a short trip. So you check that one bag and then you, you walk in with like maybe a backpack, maybe like a man bag or just your purse, ladies or whatever. And you ain't got no kids. Mm-mm. You ain't got no spouse. You literally have the earbuds in your ear and you are zoned out. You don't have to deal with people and everything goes smoothly. How many of you have ever been to the airport where you only had a backpack? Isn't it the best thing in the world? You feel liberated as a human being when you get to travel with just a backpack. But bless God, if you get stuck, and I remember being stuck in a third world country with a whole bunch of bags, that's demonic. (laughs) And here's where we want you to be in life. We want you traveling through life with the least amount of baggage possible because I'm telling you, it's more fun, isn't it? It's more enjoyable. Life is better when you don't got as much baggage. And so on week one, we talked about getting rid of the baggage of anger. See, many of you are like that. Many of you have that thing where as soon as somebody makes you mad, you just fly off the handle. You get hot quick and you get hot for a long time. How many of you are out there like you get hot quick and then it takes forever for it to cool off and you just get so mad. You get so angry. God wants you to like live free and travel like some of you. We talked about the baggage of envy. Some of us are like this more than others. We we are constantly looking at what everybody else has in life. And we really, really wish that we had what they had, because that would make us feel better about ourselves. And we would even be happier if they lost what they had. That might even give us a little bit of pleasure in life, too, and this because there's an envy. That lives inside of our heart. I'm telling you, you're pushing baggage through life. And then, of course, last week we looked at fear that many times fear is the thing that just inhibits us. It paralyzes us Whenever we operate in life and we react out of fear. There's always without a doubt, there's always compromise and missed opportunities. And so, again, we carry the baggage today. As you see, we will we will talk about the baggage of bitterness. Everybody say bitterness, bitterness. Let's see what the Bible actually has to say about it. I want you to go with me to the book of Ephesians and we're going to listen to the Apostle Paul work through a a dynamic about how you are to treat, look at, think about and respond to other people, especially the crazies. Are you ready? Here we go. So the Bible says in Ephesians chapter four, it says that you were taught with regard to your former way of life 
to put off the old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. Basically, what he's saying is this. He goes, you're a Jesus follower now. Like, so you got to remember, so if you don't believe in Jesus here, you're just going to appreciate that I'm telling all the Christians to live like this. But if, if but if you're a Jesus follower in here, you've got to you got to recognize that you have been given something so great and so special. But you've also been given like this, this new kind of purpose in life. And what he's saying is this is when it comes to your way of living, I don't want you to do things the way you used to do them. You've been given a new life in Jesus. Somebody say amen. So, so put off the old, the old guy, the guy that would get hot, quick and long, the woman that would envy, the guy that would get mad, the guy that would be bitter, the guy that would be angry. Don't put that guy away is what he's saying, because you've been made new in the attitude of your minds and you, you're to put on the new self. You're to be created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. This is the big picture. You're not you anymore. You're somebody totally new. I don't know if you know that. Like, like when you look at how Paul writes to different churches, you need to know that he writes to different exact people groups. So when he talks to the church of Corinthians, he says specific things to them. Because of their specific issues. When he talks to the, the book of Galatians, the book of Philippians, they're all unique and different. The book of Ephesians is the one is the one kind of chapter or the one letter that he wrote that wasn't to a specific church, but kind of a general church, meaning like a big, huge regional church. And the whole book of Ephesians, especially the first few chapters, is this. You're new. You're different. You're awesome. You're not who you used to be anymore. Stop living like you're that old crusty guy. Quit living like that old bitter woman. Quit living like that old life you used to live. Quit sinning the way you used to sin. Quit thinking the way you used to think. Because you're different now. Like you have been made new in Christ. As a matter of fact, the term in Christ is used like 30 something different times in the book of Ephesians. And he goes on to say that in Christ, you're a saint. In Christ, you're loved. In Christ, you're forgiven. In Christ, you have all the... And so he, he's just dumping on you all this great stuff. Because if you would begin to think about yourself like that, you wouldn't live the old way anymore. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speaking truthfully to your neighbor. And speak truthfully to your neighbor. For we are all members of one body. In your anger... Don't sin. We, we read this a couple weeks ago. In your anger, don't sin. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Meaning this, like, don't let anger hang out. Don't, don't let it fester. Don't let it last so long. Because here's what happens with all anger. If you, if you keep it long enough, it's going to turn into something as we're about to see. He goes, and, and don't give the devil a foothold. Like being angry, actually, this word foothold means like opportunity or even like a place to stay. Like literally when you get so angry and you start harboring that anger towards somebody else, you literally put an extension on the side of your house and invite Satan to come and hang out with you for a while. That's in essence what Paul's saying here. He goes, anyone who's been stealing. Yep. You got sticky hands. You, you got five finger discount. Stop is what he says. Don't steal anymore, but rather work. Do something useful with your own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. Here he keeps going. He said, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. He's just getting again back into your mouth. He started off talking about how you use your words. And now he's even come back to it to say it again. Like you need to know, like your words are huge. 
Jesus said it like this, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So the reason why your mouth is so important to the Apostle Paul is, is because it's a reflection of maybe some damage that may be on the inside of you. When you're a person who constantly has to put down, make fun of, pick on, slander, gossip, whatever it is, it's an indicator of brokenness in your heart. Because what's funny is this, the irony of it is this, is normally when we're bagging on somebody else, we're dishing on their brokenness, aren't we? But Paul's saying the very fact that that's what you think about, that's what you focus on, and all you can do is be negative and critical and harsh with your words when it comes to somebody else, is just proof that you're broken. So be careful about the words that you speak about other people. He says this in verse 30, he says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Here's the key verse we're going to focus on today. Get rid of all bitterness. The rage, the anger, the brawling, the slander, along with every form. Everybody say every. Every form of malice. So malice, just so you know, is this. Malice is like, it's the end result. (laughs) Once you've been angry, bitter, mad, slanderous, all those other things, the only thing that's left is just malice. You know, it's pure hatred. Pure evil. This is where this is where we're so angry at people and so full of of contempt and hatred that literally we we are okay with a lose lose scenario. Right. This is where like this is where like we're all going to burn. I don't even care. I'm going to get you. Revenge is coming your way. I don't even care if if I go to jail. I'm satisfied with that. That's that's malice. You know what I'm talking about? Don't go there. But he says those words. Let me repeat them again. He goes, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. Today we're going to talk about the bitterness. If you don't know what we're talking about, I'll define it for you real quickly. Bitterness is this. Bitterness is the cancer left behind after hurt, offense, resentment, or unforgiveness go unchecked. Yeah. It's the left behind. And can I tell you that most of our baggage, most of it, is rooted in this right here. This is where we carry it. It's, it's the unchecked stuff. When we get angry, when we get mad, when we get resentful, when we get hurt, and we don't deal with it the way God would prescribe that we deal with it, what we do is we bury it down deep. And it becomes this kind of like poison, this cancerous thing that begins to eat away at us. Now, now we've all been there, haven't we? You can't live through life and not get hurt, can you? Because if you go back to kindergarten, somebody didn't pick you for something. When you go back far enough, you had a friend who was mean to you. If you go back far enough, like we talked about this, like there's something about middle school where children become partly demonic towards each other and just mean, hateful. How many of you did some of your meanest stuff when you were in junior high or received some of your meanest stuff when you We're sorry? We need to like have like a cross apology right now. Some people raise their hands at first and not the other. Like, it was something about junior high. And how many ever had a bad relationship and that go bad? How many ever had a friend gossip about you and talk about you? You ever had the person that you, you believe with all your heart that if anybody's supposed to have your back, they're supposed to have your back. And then they don't. And they're the ones that throw you under the bus. Ever been cheated on? Lied about? Gossiped about? Talked about? We have all had opportunity for hurt. If we, if, how many you got a family? You ever had a family? You got opportunity for hurt. Because we go through life and, and, and we have certain expectations for our parents. And many of us, we put our parents up on a pedestal and think they're supposed to have this stuff figured out. And we realize the older we get, they don't have it figured out, do they? 
They're, they're, they're broken just like you're broken. But when we're kids, we put these expectations that they're always supposed to have it together. And guess what? They don't. And so they fall short and they fail us. And we are left with these kind of hurts and resentments because we didn't get what we deserved. We didn't get what we wanted. We didn't get what we thought we should have gotten. Isn't that the worst thing in the world when the people that you think you're supposed to trust the most That's why you can get more mad at family members than you can any other people group in the human race. Because your family are the people that you thought above all are supposed to be there for you. And when they don't, this is why people get mad in church. Like, I don't know if you know this, but I'm a pastor. And, um, and I find that like inside of church, we get so much more sensitive. And, and I realize it's not that we get more sensitive. It's that we have a higher expectation about people who are supposed to be in the family of God. So all of a sudden you go to church and they don't do you right. They go to you go to church and it's them talking about you. You go to church and it's them that won't love you or forgive you. And you're like, dear God, if I can't get it in church, where in the world will I get it? And so we all have an opportunity for bitterness. We all have an opportunity to get hurt, to get wounded, to get offended, to get mad, to get upset, to feel betrayed. And here's the deal. There's one of two ways to respond We can either get bitter or we can forgive. That's it. You don't have another option because some of you say, well, I'm not going to forgive him, but I'm not going to I'm not going to become bitter. It's impossible. You only have two choices. It's forgive, Or you get bitter because you can't hold on to that thing. Well, I'm going to let it go. I'm just not going to forgive them. That's that's impossible. You either forgive or you get bitter. It's, it's again, it's, it's the, the book of Hebrews says is that be careful of any bitter root that may be in your soul because it will spring up and defile you or corrupt you. See, bitterness is the thing that, like I said, it's like a cancer. You're so mad at them, but the cancer is killing you. It's something that kind of rots on the inside of you. If you hold it long enough. Hey, the, the, the best way that I learned this was, was back when I was a, a young man. God brought this back to my memory when the first time I ever got offended and got bitter. And I learned about how the rottenness of bitterness. And I remember this moment. God took me back to this moment when I was in grade school. I was, it was in fourth grade. And I grew up in the South. Anybody from the South here? Y'all are like embarrassed to be from the South. Uh, okay. Okay. I know you're going to know exactly what I'm talking about. We've talked about this. In the South, we have what's called the caviar of the South. Y'all know what that is? Pimento cheese. Does anybody know what pimento cheese is? Okay, so like, so like a pimento is like a little like red peppery thing. But pimento cheese is when you take like some kind of cheese, whatever you can find, and mayonnaise and pimentos, which are little red peppers that you cut, cut up into small groups, and you make it into like a chunky paste. This sounds amazing, doesn't it? This is what pimento cheese is. And so like I hated this stuff as a kid. I still hate it. I don't eat it. Um. But but in the South, like it was a thing. And so my mom would make me my lunch every day for breakfast. And I had I had like a Superman lunchbox. And and so she would put in how I many know you get like, you know, you got like cool Lunchables. I lived before Lunchables came along. And so um, you would get like some chips and you'd get a fruit and you'd get a sandwich. And I always wanted a peanut butter and jelly or like a turkey sandwich or a bo- y'all remember bologna. My my what is it? My something has a first name. It's a, a bologna, though. And that was what you wanted as a kid. But but there was every once in a while, my mom would not hit the grocery store in right timing and I would run out of my bologna turkey. But I would run out of that and she would make me 
a pimento cheese sandwich. Now, I told you, it's cheese, mayonnaise, and pimento smushed together in a chunky paste. Put in between two pieces of bread. I ain't having it. Like, we ain't, no, no. I went on strike. I did not eat that sandwich. I told my mom I was in a fit of rebellion. I'm like, no, I will not eat this sandwich. And she goes, you take that, you eat that anyway. And I'm, no. And so I'm like, you can't make me. And so I take the sandwich to school and then I end up stealing food from other children. And what I did was, is I took, I took my He-Man uh, lunchbox and I put it in my cubby. Y'all remember back then you had cubbies. This is before you get to middle school and get lockers. Did y'all not have cubbies? So you get the cubbies and I put it in my cubby and I thought I'm not taking it home either. Because if I take it home, she'll know that I did not eat my pimento cheese sandwich. And so I'm not, I'm not taking it home. So you know what I did? I let it sit there for three weeks. Three weeks. I kind of forgot about it. I'll be honest. I forgot about it. When you, when you open up a pimento cheese sandwich, when it's fresh, it has a certain odor. When you open up a three-week-old pimento cheese sandwich and that bread's turned green. And pimento, I don't even know that there was a color on the color wheel to describe what pimento had turned into. And I thought, that's what rottenness looks like. It's, it's rotten pimento cheese. That's what, this is what true rottenness looks like. This is what takes place on the inside of us when we harbor. It's this, it's this, it's this foul, rotten thing that sits on the inside of us. Now, here's, here's what I need you to know, because I don't want to be insensitive to you. You have every right to not forgive those people. You deserve to be mad, but it's going to kill you. Because and, and I, I don't want to dare take away your ability to get mad at something. I don't want to minimize your hurt. Because some of you, you're hurt. I'm not even getting close to describing it. Some of you have been abused in such ways that I don't even want to start describing from the stage. Just horrible things. And absolutely, you have every right to be mad, to be hurt, to be upset. And I don't want to take that away from you. All I want to do is tell you that there's healing on the other side of it. See, there is a misnomer in our culture. And the misnomer is this, is that time heals all wounds. It does not. Sometimes time just gives you the ability to press it down far enough to where it doesn't bother you on a day to day basis. But I promise you, there would still be something on the inside of you rotting you away from the inside out, making you a more bitter person. Time does not heal all wounds, but forgiveness. That's the key to the starting process of God healing. I'm telling you, it's in there. It's a part of the process. And God wants to heal you now. And now here real quick, some of you don't know if you're bitter or not. I'm going to help you real quick here. This is how you know. If you're still bitter or not, because I, I failed at this early on as a Christian, because I thought, well, if somebody offends me, I know the Christian, the Christian thing to do is just to forgive them. So I'd be mad at them, be like, well, Lord, I forgive them. With that kind of tone, you know, I forgive you. And then I'd walk away, but like, well, Lord, I forgive them. No, you didn't. I mean, you kind of did. You tr- you tr- I mean, you tried to. But your heart is still not whole just yet. Does, does that make sense? But here, here's how you know. Do you still keep thinking about it? The hurt, the offense, the thing they did, you keep still thinking about it. Do you rehearse it in your mind? Do you relive it a little bit? Do you, and you always relive it with cooler outcomes than what really happened, don't you? You always relive it. This is why we wrote the sketch the way that we did, because you will sit back and think, I hate that guy. I hate that guy. I can't believe what they did. And when you rehearse it, you always say the most witty things, don't you? When you say it, you are so clever. When you when you when you relive it, you are so articulate when you are when you are. And and you always win. 
whenever you rehearse that thing, whenever you you win the argument, don't you? Isn't it the worst thing in the world to get done with an argument and then to have like the coolest thing that you think you wish you could have said? Gosh, and you're so mad. You're bitter. Okay. You still have imaginary conversations with people. Do you still keep track of the details? Because that's how you win good arguments, isn't it? You keep track of the details. If you remember the details, I'm telling you, there's a good chance that you're still harboring. Hey, when, when you see when you see them in public, what goes off in your gut? When you see them coming, you're like, oh, crap, we're not walking that way. <laughs> you ever do that? You ever had that in public where you're like, oh, I hope they didn't see me. Did they see me? I'm just going to let's make they didn't see me. And you start taking off. Why? You don't want to see them. You, when, you, when you see them on Facebook, when you see them, God forbid, they're still on your phone and their name pops up on your phone and you shudder a little bit on the inside. Every time you think about it, if you're reminded of the hurt, I'm telling you there's a good chance there's still a little bit at least. A little bit of bitterness left over in your heart. Forgiveness is this. Forgiveness is the process of canceling someone's debt against you. This is your option. You can either get bitter. And you have every right to, to do so. You, I don't want to take that. You, you have every right to do so. I'm just telling you, it's, it's not going to help you. But forgiveness would be the process of canceling someone else's debt against you. See, what you need to know is this, is that when Jesus talked about hurt and offense, he said it's always a debt. So it's a debt-debtor relationship. And you need to know that whatever they did to you, they owe you. That's why you're so mad. They owe you something. And you keep track of that. And I'm telling you, I even had a, had a, a meeting with a, with a man this week about this very, very issue. What I prescribed to him was simple. I want you to go make a list of what they owe you. Because at some point in time, you're going to have to figure out what they owe you. And it's going to hurt to relive it. It's going to hurt to bring it back up. But you need to make a list of it because you need to know they owe you something. And they do. Here's the problem, though. He, this is why Jesus is brilliant. It makes so much sense because he's later going to say some incredibly brilliant things. Let's just go ahead and read it. He says this. When he's teaching the disciples the Lord's Prayer, you know, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. But he gets to this part where he says, and God, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. You remember that part? And then at the end, he even tags on this thing at the bottom where he says this. He goes, Matthew 6, 15, he goes, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. What he's saying is this is like. Realize that when you pray the Lord's Prayer, you're saying, God, I want you to forgive me the same way I forgive other people. So I hope you're forgiving people because I don't know about you, but I really want to be forgiven. <laughs> I have a lot on my on my plate. That whole debt column thing is huge for me. I really, really, really want to be forgiven. I need it. OK, so to get it, I need to make sure that I'm always operating in forgiveness myself. But Jesus makes this huge, bold statement, doesn't he? Here's what you need to know. Every religion in the world teaches you that you should forgive people if they ask for it. Do you know that? If you go look at every other major religion in the world, they will all teach you that forgiveness is a good virtue and a good idea. And if someone asks you for forgiveness, you should then what? You should forgive and that just that just be good. Jesus says, I don't care if they ask you or not. Jesus has no exception on this, does he? Meaning like you need to recognize that some people have hurt you and they don't even care. I really want you to forgive them anyway. I promise. I know it's I know it seems counterintuitive and they don't deserve it, do they? No, they don't deserve it. They don't even want to be forgiven. Hey, sometimes you'll have to forgive people who have passed on. They're not even around anymore. And the reason why Jesus says this and this is please, 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 please get this. They can't pay you back anyway. Can they really? Think about it. 
they can't pay you back anyway. It's, it's not there. Think about most of the hurt and the offense and the things that they've done against you. What did they take from you? Usually they took your respect. There's no way they can really give that back to you. They took your time. You can't pay that back, can you? They took your reputation. You can't, there's nothing they can do to get, give you that back. They're, they took love from you. They took what they should have given you. The, the support, the, the care, the unconditional love and acceptance. They, they didn't give that to you and they took it from you. They, they, I don't think they can repay that to you. They cannot go back in time and give you that. They can't. They took an opportunity from you. You, you can't give you that back. So the very thing that you have, you've, you've logged all these debts against people. What I'm telling you is this, is many times they're already passed away. Sometimes they don't even care. And number three, they couldn't pay you back even if they wanted to. So they will, if they will never, ever, ever be able to pay you back, how will you get free? There's only one way. And it's the, it's the process of canceling out someone's debt. It's, it's letting them go. And I'm telling you, we don't forgive because they deserve it. They don't. Nobody deserves it, right? We forgive because we deserve it. Do you know that? We forgive because we deserve a few things in life. Number one is this, is we deserve to be free. Like you do. You deserve to be free. In Christ, you are free and you deserve to live free. But here's what you don't know. As long as you harbor unforgiveness, you're not free anymore. Do you know that? They still control you. Because the very incident that happened that made you hurt, it's still keeping you bound up. It's still keeping you with baggage. You're not living free and traveling light. So are you really free? No. And Jesus wants you free. He says you deserve to be free. So I want you to let them go. You you deserve to be whole again. See, as long as you are offended and hurt and bitter towards somebody else, that's a cancer on the inside of you. And it makes you a more bitter person. And as long as you stay hurt and wounded, this is what you need to know about you. And this is what you need to know about everybody. Hurt people hurt other people. That's how we respond. Wounded people wound other people. Think about it. Why is it? Let me ask you a question. Unless you tried to hurt somebody on purpose, when you hurt somebody's feelings, did you do it on purpose or did you do it because you yourself were a wounded soul? More times than not, it's we're responding out of our own hurts or our own wounds that we reflect and we do this to other people. Not only that, you just deserve to be happy. I'm telling you, if you go to a a clinical psychologist, what they will tell you is this, is that most people, 99% of people that come in for depression, when they root it back far enough, somewhere they are harboring unforgiveness. There was this there was this even funny comment from this psychologist I was reading as I was studying this week. And he said this. He said, we could clear out a lot of the mental hospitals if we could just go in and tell them they're all forgiven. And, and we forgave all their dead. Like if we could just get them in the realm of forgiveness, we could we could clear out a lot of issues. A lot of depression would be taken care of. I'm telling you, you deserve and God wants you to be free. God wants you to be whole and God wants you to be happy. That's why Jesus wants you to forgive. It's not because they deserve it. It's because you deserve it. How many believe God loves you, wants you to be free, wants you to be whole, wants you to be happy? Yeah. Then the only way that you're really going to get there is when you determine and you decide to let some people go. Here's what I want you to do. This is this is the very end of scripture here. When we look at, at all that that Paul says in the, in the book of Ephesians, chapter four here, he said this. He said, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Verse 32, he gives the prescription. But well, here's what I want you to do. I want you to be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. What he's saying is this, is I don't want you to forgive people like you forgive people. I want you to forgive people like Jesus has forgiven you. 
And I'm telling you what, some of you have a block in your own personal relationship with God. You wonder why you don't feel close to God or connected to God or why you don't. Why other, you, you ever felt like this? Like, well, how is it they feel so close to God and I feel so far away from him? I'm telling you, it might just be the unforgiveness, the bitterness in your own heart even keeps you away from God. There's this fascinating story about Leonardo da Vinci. That when he was writing that famous painting of the Last Supper, that as he was painting all these different pictures and faces, and if you don't know it, it's basically a table. It was them celebrating Passover, and you have Jesus in the middle, and then all the disciples along next to him. Well, at the time, uh, Leonardo da Vinci had a grudge against a, a, a colleague, and he hated him. <laughs> and so when he came to the point of, 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 of painting Judas's face, he took his friend, his friend's face, and made his friend's face Judas. Yeah, that'll get back at people. World famous painting and you're Judas forever. That's how you get back at people. Um, he said, but I hadn't finished the painting yet. And he said, I got stuck. This is the, the historical account is that he got stuck. He couldn't finish the painting. He especially couldn't finish the part of who Jesus was. And he realized what he had done. And God convicted him in his heart and he had to go back and change Judas's face. He said, it was then that I decided not to punish my friend, and I decided to forgive my friend that I was able to finish the portrait of Jesus. And that's how he finished the Last Supper. I'm telling you, there's just something that draws you closer to God. It's going to make you a whole, happy, healthy person. I'm telling you that it's in forgiveness. So here's my question. Who do you, who do you need to forgive today? Hey, here's a radical notion. Who is it that you might need to go to and ask for forgiveness? It could be that you're the one that may have caused somebody else's bitterness. And if that's you, I would say be bold, be brave, and go and say, hey, look, I wronged you, or I did this to you. And I, we, back, back when we were in junior high, you remember when? And I'm sorry, and I want you to know that I, I really feel bad, and if you could find it in your heart to forgive me, I just want you to know I'm, I'm terribly sorry for what I did. I'm telling you, because isn't it true we always stand on both sides of forgiveness? At any one time, we've probably hurt somebody as as much as we've been hurt by somebody else. We're always on both sides of forgiveness. And so this is why Jesus said, this is the crux of Christianity. This is, this is the whole thing is that I died so that you could be forgiven, but I didn't forgive you so that you could go out and harbor ill will, resentment, anger, and bitterness towards everybody else. I want us to all be free. And so the same forgiveness that I've given you, I want you to pass on to them, whether they deserve it or not. I mean, if they ask for it, yeah, absolutely. But even if they don't, I'm telling you that if you will let that go, I'm telling you, this is another quote I want you to read. This is a great quote. I, I, actually, I don't know who said this. I've, I've, everybody from a, a rabbi to T.D. Jakes to Gandhi having quote this quote. So I have no idea where it came from. Let's just say I said it. So unforgiveness. Unforgiveness is like drinking poison, expecting the other person to die from it. That's what happens when we harbor unforgiveness. We only have two options. It's either forgiveness or bitterness. There was this, there was this famous Spaniard guy that was asked by his priest. Um, he was on his deathbed and before he died, the priest said, is there anybody that you, um, that you need to forgive before you pass on? He goes, no, I have no more enemies. I've killed them all. And so <laughs> that's your option. Bitterness. Go towards malice. Just lose, lose. Burn everything to the ground. Everything goes to ashes. Go towards rage, anger. Go, go towards slander. Just talk bad about it. Go, go, go that way. What happens? You become a bitter soul. You begin to take your hurts and hurt other people. You begin to take your wounds and you begin to wound other people. And Jesus said, that is not the life that I have for you. Jesus died for you to be whole. 
healthy, happy, full of life and meaning and purpose and above all, a relationship with Him. And that takes place when we choose to forgive. Here's the three prayers I want to give you as we close today. Are you ready? These are the three prayers that you're going to have to pray. And they'll probably go in this order. Number one is this, Lord, please help me to forgive. Oh, by the way, you're not going to feel this. I just want you to prepare you. You're not going to, this is why the opening prayer is so subtle. It's so easy. You don't even have to want to forgive him yet. You probably won't. You may never. I don't even care. This is just a startup prayer. This is prayer with training wheels. Lord, just please. I just recognize today that I need to forgive that person. Lord, please help me. This is, this is prayer for beginners. Number two is this, this is the second one. This is where we get to the next step. Lord, I choose to cancel their debt. I choose. It's not a feeling. If you pray that first prayer and you keep saying, Lord, help me feel like forgiving them. It may never come. You might on your deathbed, maybe not even then. I don't know. Like you don't ever. Forgiveness is not rooted in feelings. Forgiveness is a choice that you make to release somebody else from their debt. It's to look at the list of things that they owed you and say, you know what? You don't owe me anymore. Because they probably can't pay you back anyway. You don't owe me any more. And then the third prayer is this one. This is the most difficult one. Lord bless them. This is the litmus test, by the way. If you can pray this prayer and actually mean it in your heart, the bitterness is gone. It takes a long time, though. I told you, forgiveness is a process. Because what many people will do is many people will say, Lord, I forgive so and so. And then wait a week. You're rehearsing again, aren't you? Thinking about it again, aren't you? Reliving it again, aren't you? I've been there. That's why I learned this the hard way. I realize that it's a process. So when that feeling comes back the week later after you chose to cancel their debt, you know what you do? You do it all over again. You choose to cancel their debt again. And when it comes back a week later, you choose to cancel their debt again. And I'm telling you, what you'll find is this, is that it's a slow walk towards freedom because it'll be one week and then it's going to be a month and then it's going to be a few months. And I'm telling you, you will get further and further away until you'll be able to begin to pray this last one. Lord, I pray that you would bless them, that you would do good things in their life, that you'd change their heart, that you'd help them, that you would save them, that you'd restore their family. All these prayers start coming out. That prayer is the proof Of a bitter free life. Now it could take you years to get here. And that's okay. This isn't a quick fix. This is the process of canceling someone else's debt. Everybody bow your head and close your eyes with me. We're going to do some diagnostic work here. Who, Who do you need to forgive? As I was talking, you thought about it. Listen to me. I know exactly where you've been. I held resentment against my dad for years. I thought there were things that he didn't do that he should have done and he wasn't good at. And why didn't he? And how could he say those things? And why wasn't he there? And I'm telling you, I used to resent my dad. I used to resent my brother. I used to look at my brother and my God, how could he? And how he's supposed to be my big brother. And he did that and he did this. And he and I was hurt and I was wounded and I was offended. And I used to resent him. I'm telling you, I've been there. You had somebody come to you. You got that old friend, don't you? The one person that you thought should have had your back. The one person that you thought, this is the one that ought to believe. If anybody ought to believe in me, it was them. And in my moment of need, they bailed on me. We've all got that friend. We've all got that family member. We've got that loved one. We've got that disappointment. We've got that hurt. Who is it? Hey, for some of you, you have had awful, 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 horrific things done to you, said to you. I don't want to minimize that. I just want you to be free. 
I don't want you to think that it's, this is like saying it never happened. Oh, it happened. There's a debt. It's huge. I just want you to be free. Jesus today wants you to be free. Jesus today wants you to be whole. Jesus today wants you to find joy in Him. And I'm telling you that the path to finding that is when you choose to cancel their debt. It's when you choose to say, you don't owe me anymore. You probably couldn't repay me anyway. It's to forgive other people the way Christ has forgiven you. Because when Christ forgave you, it was washed away. He's never brought it back up again. Never reminded it of you again. If it did, it was the devil. It was your own mind. God's never brought back your own sin up against you and said, oh, do you remember when? That wasn't God. God let you go. He forgave you freely and wiped away the debts against you. He's saying, I want you to forgive other people the way that I've forgiven you because I want you to be free. Who do you need to forgive today? And our prayer might go something like this. God, I pray that you'd help me to forgive that person, that group even. God, I pray that you would help me to to cancel the debt against them, to say they don't owe me anymore, to say, God, I, I let them free so that I can be free. And God, I pray that you'd help me to become a whole person again, that you would heal my wounds, that you would heal my hurts and help me to be a whole person, God. Father, that is our prayer today in Jesus' name. And we all said, Amen.